Cinebuds is supported by Associated Bank. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Hello. From 88.9, we're in Milwaukee. I'm Justin Barney. From Milwaukee Film, I'm Christopher Pollard. And together we are Cinebuds. This week, Christopher watched the movie Parallel Mothers. A mí me encanta la idea de tener un hijo contigo, Yanis, pero no sé si puedo permitírmelo ahora. No es cuestión de si podemos permitirnoslo. Es cuestión de que ya está aquí. And I watched the movie Being the Ricardos. Action! Lucy, I'm home. Both lead actresses in that movie are up for Best Actress in a Leading Role in the upcoming Oscars. Okay, Christopher, you watched Parallel Mothers. I did. What was Parallel Mothers about? Parallel Mothers is about uh, two women uh, who have become pregnant by accident and meet in the hospital as they're uh, giving birth to their children. Um, One is like a middle-aged woman uh, and one is a young woman. And uh, they both kind of bond because they're both having a first child at the same time on their own. And you kind of see both of their lives as they intertwine. And how did you like the movie? I really liked it. It's the new Pedro Almodovar movie. Uh, I, he's a favorite filmmaker, and I really mm-hmm. liked it. I think it's when you like a particular filmmaker, you always watch it comparing it to their other films, which is not yes. fair. Or maybe it's right. very fair. I don't know. But either way, it's not my favorite of his films, but that – it's still better than so many other films that I still like. <laughs> I hold it. To, I hold it to a higher standard, but still really a wonderful movie. He always has wonderful movies. Um, and this, it always very fascinating, almost soap opera, like plot lines, which I love that. Mel- mm-hmm. It's melodramatic, uh, not in, performance but in the, the the story itself i always love that about these movies in particular spanish film in general i know i've talked about this before has a lot of these great storylines um but this one had a little bit deeper stuff well we, i can go into later but generally really loved it and uh penelope cruz did a great job that's what i saw but you saw being the ricardos Yes, I saw Being the Ricardos, like you with Legacy Director. This is a Legacy Director as well. It's Aaron Sorkin, and you might know Aaron Sorkin from directing and writing The West Wing, The Social Network, The Trial of Chicago 7. This is about the Ricardos. Uh, I love Lucy, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, and it starts with the revelation that um, there's news that Lucille Ball was a communist. And that's kind of like where the story begins. And the whole story tells about the relationship between Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz and the relationship between like what they have with the show. I think that this movie is pure Oscar bait. Yeah. (laughs) It is like, it's a good movie. Um, kind of like at the end, I like didn't really love it all the way through. And then at the end, I was like, you know, and Sorkin is good at making an argument of showing a situation and showing kind of all sides of it and showing how a thing can be complicated and showing everybody's motives and where everyone was coming from. And so at the end, it does like have a portrayal of Lucille Ball 
in a way that is memorable. I think that rightfully it wasn't nominated for a best picture. And I think that Nicole Kidman got the nomination because of kind of like all the factors leading into it. Yeah. I want to talk about that more because I'm very interested in that portion of it. And I, I, and I think that there are parallels in our parallel mothers here. We're going to be talking more about uh, all of this just after the break. Support for Cinebuds comes from your membership and Associated Bank. Proud supporter of Milwaukee Film and offering support year-round through Milwaukee Film Checking. More about Associated Bank's commitment to the Milwaukee community at AssociatedBank.com. Member FDIC. We all wish we can find a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but have you ever considered that there might be one at the end of your driveway? That car, truck, or boat you don't need could power hours of your favorite on-air programming when you donate it to Radio Milwaukee. Pickup is free, and you can qualify for a tax deduction. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org slash cars to learn more. And we're back. And we're back. We're back this we're is back. Justin Barney from Media Nine. <laughs> wow. I'm Christopher Paul from <laughs> I was going to see if you remembered where I worked. <laughs> that was great. Okay, we're going to continue talking because I'm very interested to know about, uh, specifically about Nicole Kidman's performance. But uh, let's talk some more about bec- uh, being the Ricardos. So you said it's Oscar bait, which to me that means it's got it ticks all the kind of formulaic boxes for a film that's going to move you. It's based on a real person. Uh, that's always helpful. A lot of highs and lows. Yeah, I mean, let's let's run through like why is this Oscar bait? Yeah, one, it is a director who has been nominated for many Oscars before. It's right. Aaron Sorkin, who uh, as as a you know. He's a he's he's a writer and a director. And so it's like it's really um, you really like see his vision in all of his films. And it, it comes through in these like really dialogue heavy right. kind of dramatic situations in which a person's like you get to see the totality of what this person is thinking of in this situation and when you said it it starts off about her being uh during like i assume the red scare being (laughs) called out as a communist i'm like okay that now i see the connection to aaron sorkin (laughs) i'm like this is quite a departure for him but yeah he's like always doing like political and legal dramas like that is that is sorkin's sweet spot so it like makes sense that that's where it starts and so then it's like it's it's aaron sorkin uh, directors was nominated for these things before and it's an ensemble cast I mean every single person in this there's right. like there's so many big hitters Nicole Kidman plays Lucille Ball Javier Bardem plays uh, Desi Arnaz J.K. Simmons is in it uh, Tony Hale is the oh, is the showrunner yeah. it's just a it's a it's a it's a big ensemble cast and then like also key to getting the Oscar nomination. It is about old oh. Hollywood. It is, it is about, I love Lucy. It's about events that happened in Hollywood. It's, it's a Nicole Kidman, a legacy actress portraying a legacy actress. I don't want to, it doesn't even really matter yeah. how she even performed. It was like, this is destined to be an Oscar performance. See, That's the interesting thing. So when I first heard about, 
the movie and that Nicole Kidman was going to be Lucille Ball, I immediately thought, oh, there's so many actors that could have done a, that could have just nailed that. And I can't see her being Lucille Ball. Like I realize the Lucille Ball in private is a different character. I'm not, but I'm like the moments where she has to be her on TV, her as a comedian. How does that play out? It's funny because that was kind of her at her best. Really? Okay. Because yeah, for most of the movie, it's like they they put a lot, they do a lot of work on her face. Yeah. That is that kind of like really sticks out and you it's really noticeable. And it's hard, it's so hard to watch this and not just be thinking. How is she as Lucille Ball? Does she look like Lucille Ball? They do a lot yeah. of work to make her look like Lucille Ball. And a lot of times, like, it kind of stands out because for most of the movie, you're watching Lucille not on the TV show. Yeah. You are watching her, like, in these dramatic situations. She's got her hair down, which is not a Lucille Ball that I'm familiar right. with. You're used to seeing her with her hair up. Mm-hmm. And then when you see her on the TV show and she is doing the she's doing the TV show, her hair is up and you see how much that face that just looks like it's got a lot of work done when her hair is down. Yeah. When it's up, you see how much she looks like Lucille Ball. And then she does the she does the voice when she's on TV, which is like Lucille Ball's voice, but just like amplified. Okay. And and so she does the voice really well. When she's got her hair up, she really looks like her. They don't have her do a ton of physical comedy, even though they talk about her being a physical comedian right. frequently. Yeah. Um, so it's so it's like you don't, it's not the like parts of Lucille Ball that you enjoy, which is her being a physical comedian. They yeah. don't like give her a ton of that. Um, and when they, and when they do it, it it's not super natural for. Yeah. That's what it felt like to comedian. me when I heard about it. And I love the idea of watching a movie about her life and about, you know, even just an aspect of her life. But when I saw the cast, even though they're a bunch of heavy hitters and people who I like individually, I was not super thrilled but yeah, you know, I, I could be wrong. When when she wasn't being Lucille Ball in the in the show, and they were doing just like her, like on the set, they kept on doing this thing where they would show Nicole Kidman. Uh, they would like read lines and stuff. Yeah, and it was like Lucille Ball had this superpower of critical thinking. Yeah, and they would just like have her. They, they would they would like read a line and they would like show like the math going on in her brain and then it would be like no we should do this and everybody would like be incensed and be like what are you talking about we can't do that yeah and then of course it was like that was the right thing to do right do you mean they showed it like like with graphics like beautiful mind style <laughs> it was like just short of that. I mean, just short of that. That was for sure like what they were thinking. I was or like, so like what concerned. they wanted you to think. <laughs> that was very concerning. I mean, still. It was so, but it was like, then they would do like, but they would do like flash flashes to like what the scene was and then oh, what she yeah. was thinking and how it was funnier. I see. You know? So they really like spelled it out for you. You were, they could not have spelled it out more. <laughs> Unless beautiful mind style, they put it up on the screen. <laughs> yes. See, I I like the idea that they explore how she because she did innovate, she did challenge stuff. But when you do it in a heavy handed way, it kind of undermines it. So I can see how that can be frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. It, and and 
And to like kind of show how smart she was, they had her like talk really fast a lot. Yeah. Like, I'm going to talk fast and assertive and confident and show everybody that I know what's going on, yeah. but smarter than they do. And that was kind of like the whole role. This is a nomination at best. Yeah, yeah. If Nicole Kidman would, I mean, this is just like, okay, we see the signs, we're putting it together, we're giving you the nomination. Right. I, I couldn't imagine, it, like, it wasn't, it wasn't bad, um, but it was definitely just like a thing to watch. It didn't stand out. It's definitely a bad sign when you have to say, it wasn't bad about an Oscar nominated <laughs> film. I genuinely, I've, I've thought this before, that that's worse than saying that's a bad uh, choice. That's a bad movie. It's like, it's not bad means that it's so just right. sort of in the average area. Especially when we watched so many movies that had so many like incredible yeah. performances and roles and scripts. And there could have been, you know, of the like five people that were nominated for best actress. I mean, we watched so many movies that were that I wasn't left saying it wasn't bad. Right. Exactly. That you could say that was amazing, but they don't have the money for it. So yeah, I get it. Yeah. So that is being the Ricardos. Um, you know, it's fine. Right. Um, you watched parallel mothers, which is like a sim- similar things with Pedro Almodovar and a similar like heritage cast. You got Penelope Cruz. That is true. Yeah. So, so for people who don't know yeah. Pedro Almodovar, could you give us some insight into him, his films, and why you like oh, him? Oh, for sure. My pleasure. Um, he's made a bunch – he's made like 30 films. And mm-hmm. uh, the things they have in common, I would say, are these very melodramatic storylines, often almost almost fantastical while not being fantastical. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. They're very big – not not when we say me- when I say melodrama, I don't mean in the uh, uh, you know um, the villain with a curly mustache melodrama type. I mean I just mean a very heightened sense of drama. But the acting is always appropriate. Uh, he does have that uh, stable of actors that he loves to use. Um, Penelope Cruz being probably the chief among them. Um, but he's done films like all about my mother, Volver, talk to her about education, um, uh, the skin, uh, the skin I'm in, which was great. Uh, but his older films being like Matador and tie me up, tie me down. So these wonderful films, they're all bright. Here's the thing that I I really, this movie, (laughs) I just, it's not like I haven't noticed before, but this movie really drove home parallel mothers is no matter what the film is, whether it's a comedy or a drama, this is definitely a drama. His movies are always wildly colorful. The set Mm. costumes, the, the visual look of his films have so much rich color in them. Uh, I'm looking at the posters right now for a bunch of, I was going to say like, that is for sure. Like looking (laughs) at the posters. Yeah. Red and blue, but a lot of red. And in the picture that I'm looking at, of him. He's wearing a bright red shirt that matches all these posters. That's kind of amazing. Um, But parallel mothers is a, is a really crazy story. Again, this story, these two mothers, I don't want to say too much, but how their lives and their children are connected and these incredible discoveries that are made. The interesting thing about this, that's a bit of a departure is that he keys it up at the beginning and a bit at the end around more of a real life 
um, kind of a historical aspect to Spain, which he hasn't really done much before, which is, yeah, which is connecting it to this history of a fairly recent dictatorship for 40 years from Franco in his country and the things that happened in his own country. Um, Yes. Yeah. And in the beginning, you see Penelope Cruz uh, connecting with this man who is an expert in identifying victims of Franco's war because she's trying to find where Wow. Yeah, where her great grandfather really making me want to see this. But here's the yeah, let me but not that this shouldn't want you to see it, but this an interesting way that she does it. So she wants to find her grandfather. She believes she knows where he might be buried so they can put them in, you know, find him, identify him and then put him in a grave that's for, you know, for their family. Yeah. But that that happens at the beginning. That's semi-abandoned for most of the film. And you hear you, there's a very, very different story that happens. And then at the end. Well, don't tell us that it's going to come back. Well, well, there's nothing. I mean, it's just the storyline. Not abandoned in the in the sense that anything has happened. Like she's never talks about it again. I'm just saying. Is it a surprise when it no, comes back that I would not. look forward to if I had not heard you say this? The answer is a resounding no. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> it is all a part of the plot. There are no details given yet. Right. Um, but you come back to it. You come back to that storyline towards the end. So it's sort of book bookended essentially by this story. Mm. That's a little bit different than what's going on. I think the connection is a bit about your heritage and your family, where you come from and where your future with these children. Um, mm-hmm. But it is a very interesting way. It's kind of like what we talk about when we talk about uh, parasite and other, those, a lot of those Asian and Korean films that are doing being very innovative with there's two different things happening in this film, two different kinds of films and, are they melded together well? Because usually that doesn't go well. I think this is that an is interesting way that he's doing it that uh, is melded together differently, is vaguely connected, but you can kind of feel it, this kind of family element and this history at the end of the movie that I really liked. And at first I was put off, not put off in a bad way, but I was confused. And then I felt like, no, this does connect. And it's kind of lovely yeah. the way he does it. That is very funny because – when we get to what else we've been watching, um, I have something that ties in very closely to all of that. It's all connected, man. Yes. So I think we should get to what else we've been watching. Well, we were going to talk about, uh, we also want to talk about the best acting nomination and what makes a good nominated actress, right? Yes. Um, Yes. And that is one thing when I was, you know, driving here into work and I'm thinking about, I was like, okay, so this is clearly, this is meant for, this performance was meant for the Oscars. And uh, it, it does, it makes you think like, what what is being awarded best, you know, best actress and what makes for a good performance? Like what is good acting, you know, and, and what is being rewarded here? So what's the I best, like to what's ask the you best that. pretending? What's the best pretending you can what do? What is the best pretending? Because there is, it's one of those things where it's like, sometimes you see somebody act and uh, I will like read or hear criticism about it or people not criticizing, but uh, people talking about it. And they'll talk about how um, uh, this person was directed to do this. And I'm like, okay, is that the direction? Or sometimes... You know, like you hear it and it's the script, you know, it's like, it's the words that they're saying, like what makes for, what makes for a convincing performance? Yeah. 
I mean, film is like the most collaborative art form there is. So it does, it is, it's funny because they're the ones in front of the camera, but it could be a number of factors that affect their performances for sure. You're right. The script, how the people are, how the director is saying, I want you to do it this way. Right. How collaborative they are. What do you think makes a good role? Right. Or like, what are you looking for when you say like, this person is a good actor. This person did a great job in this role. What do you, Christopher Pollard? Right. What are you responding to? What do I want? What I I mean, it could be a number of things, but the key things that I'm thinking of is one, I want to connect with it in some fashion. Uh, Like I want to be able to feel what they're feeling. Like if they're putting you off, if they're mm-hmm. a villain, I want to hate them. <laughs> if they're sad, I want to get sad. You know, if they can make that happen, that's incredibly effective. That's impressive. That to me, that's great. Now, I often, on the other side of that coin, I often criticize people who say, oh, I didn't really connect with that, that character. Uh, the exception to the rule is I don't have to connect to them, meaning I don't have to feel what they feel necessarily. But, or feel that I that feel that you are like them. right exactly that's not the thing I don't have to understand that person to be affected by what they're doing so the mm-hmm. other side of that coin is something interesting do something different or or unusual you know not the usual thing if you get up you're crying and you're screaming to the to the to the sky why why I've seen that uh, a lot mm-hmm. of people can do that really well and it's still great but if you do something sort of complicated or unusual like those kinds of things i'm always impressed by unusual doesn't get nominated for oscars typically not it's not always the case but unusual is usually something you're gonna go to a different award show for i will say that olivia coleman in the lost daughter i don't know if i would call it unusual but it was very complicated it's like what do you mean by unusual because that to me that's just like you're asking a bunch of people to just be like uh, not representing the emotion that they are. No, but you doing it in a way that you don't see all the time. Like I said, if you're sad, I cry and I wring my hands. But what if you cry and you don't shed a tear? You're just, you know, you, you express that emotion. You convey it in a way that is not typical. I guess that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you run around and smear butter all over your face. <laughs> like, look mm-hmm. at me. I'm a weirdo. I'm just saying... <laughs> In the way that everyone does it. That's what we talk about Oscar bait. You're, you're Oscar bait because you're being dramatic. You're trying to get this Oscar in the same way because you know that this works. Mm. When you do it where it's genuine, <laughs> like a genuine actor, something more complicated. I mean, Olivia Coleman, I think, is a good example. So much complicated stuff happens on her face. I actually was just, and we'll get into this with what else you've been watching, but I, I was watching something else with her, and I realized she is making a career on being able to do two things at once on and the, on yeah. the same face. And that is yeah. impressive. Like, so Olivia Coleman to me, out of the ones I've seen so far, Olivia Coleman to me has the best performance I've seen actor, actress, whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, I think Olivia Coleman is like really good. And in, in the lost daughter of, you know, not, realizing that the camera is there yeah it's like so often when you're um like in performances you can see an awareness of the situation and olivia coleman does such a great job of you know thinking 
It's such a hard thing to do when you know what a line is coming. Yeah. You know what line you have to say, but for you to be, you can see her coming up with the words in her head. Yeah, right. Which is so hard to do. Yeah. And trying to push one emotion away from another uh, because mm-hmm. that's what the character mm-hmm. would do. It's, yeah. it's very interesting. And I mean, another thing is also just disappearing into a role. They say that phrase a lot. But like, like for instance, Benedict Cumberbatch, I thought he was really good at The Power of the Dog. I don't mm. think he disappeared into the role necessarily. But I also think there's – I have like a personal bias just because I have a hard time disconnecting him with other really iconic you characters. You have a hard time disappearing him yeah, from the role. That could be me. He did a great job. But I, was but like, I, I do too. I still yeah. see you as Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> I find it very difficult with him to go from Sherlock Holmes to a rough cowboy who's dirty all the time. Thank you for, for answering that yeah. impossible question. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, so I think we're, we're good on parallel mothers and being the Ricardos. Yeah. And I would love to talk about our favorite segment. What else we've been watching? Oh boy. What else? Um, uh, when you were talking about parallel mothers and you were talking about the parallel nature of parallel mothers (laughs) yeah i i was like i the movie that i watched this week that i really wanted to talk about is kind of like that exact same thing yeah i watched the movie chongqing express (gasps) oh (laughs) like our when hooray yes um, 1994 movie, the director Wong Kar Wai, who also did like In the Mood for Love and Happy Together. It is a movie about parallels. There are two stories that happen and they are tied together through these parallel motions and repeated motifs. You know, there are a couple of songs that play and there are a couple of like things that happen that repeat these storylines. At first... I did not know what to think because, and you have seen it before, right? Yeah. It's been a while, but I love the movie. So there are two storylines in it. And the whole time that the second storyline is going, is happening, I'm thinking, well, this is going to come back to the other storyline. I'm like, where, like, where did this, what happened? You know, I I wasn't ready for, you know, I, I, I didn't know how that first story would would come back around because yeah. that in an American movie that's what would happen. You would have like most most directors, most storylines, you would not have two parallel stories, one that like doesn't really wrap up that doesn't come back in the end. And I was like <laughs> the movie got to the end and I was like what I I need that to come back around because that's what I'm used to happening yeah. in films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the more that I've thought about it, the, you know, there's a couple of songs that repeat. There's this cover of the Cranberries and there's this reggae song that I have listened to all week. <laughs> I, I, I've been playing them every day on the radio. And uh, I like the more that I think about this movie is a movie that has stuck with me over the like week that I have watched it. And that's such a testament to the movie. And it's to, especially to like end the movie and be like, I don't know what I thought about that to thinking about it all week. I, um, I, I really, 
really liked it. Chunking Express. That's great. I where did, where, did you see it on Criterion Channel? Yeah. See, it's a very hard film to watch right now, which I find frustrating. It, literally, you can't even buy it on DVD in America right Weird. now. Weird. They used to have a Criterion collection of it. That's hard to find. It's very expensive if you can find one, and it's not on a lot of platforms. So I'm gonna have to get Criterion collection just to watch it. I cannot believe that you don't, and you absolutely should. Yeah, I know. I've I've had it off and on, and then you know it's one of those things where like a month goes by, I don't watch anything. I'm like, I'm wasting my money. Um, an interesting yeah. thing: the movie Fallen Angels, which is uh, came out right after Chunking Express by Wonka Wai, was intended to be one long movie of oh, all these different characters. So Fallen Angels, I highly recommend as a follow-up oh, to that. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah. I did not know that. And it's really interesting to try to think about how these movies would oh. have would have all pushed together if it was one solid piece. Oh, wow. Yeah. I th- thank you so much for that. I am going to have to watch that. It is that's that's that was like next on the like Next time I watch a Wong Kar Wai, but I will make sure that I watch that like this week or something like yeah, that. Yeah, maybe I'll do it too because I like I, just you mentioning it. We played a bunch of Wong Kar Wai films when we first took over the theater, I think like within the first year, and I regret missing and seeing it in the theater so bad. I really wanted to, but um, I definitely need to revisit these films because this is a good reminder. Yeah, mm. so um. What else are you watching? So speaking of revisiting, uh, just on a whim, we watched uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind the other day. What? What? This is like the second or third time this week that it's like come up really? in my life. Oh, funny. Yeah, Close, en- Close Encounters of the Third Kind was the first movie that my mom and dad saw together. In the oh, that's really cool. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah, so I have a soft spot for it, but tell me more about it. It's interesting. I realized as I was watching it, I have not seen this movie probably since the 80s or maybe the 90s. Maybe I watched a little bit here and there, but it was like so much of it was like, I don't remember this. And it was so much fun. It's such an interesting movie. It's got that 80s style. 80s sci-fi is like a a genre on its own, but this is like an elevated version of that. I, I really enjoyed it. It's a it's quirkier than I kind of thought, um, but I really enjoyed it. That was fun to watch, and I also wanted to mention because I was we were talking about um, Olivia Coleman. Is there is yeah. a very underappreciated television show on, on Netflix um, that's called Flowers, and Flowers is, I mean, on the surface, it's like a dysfunctional family comedy drama, but mm-hmm. it's it's a British show. Uh, but it is so much darker than you would expect from something like that. Um, yeah. The father is depressed. Uh, he tries to kill himself and he fails. And then it, the whole first series is him eventually revealing to his family that he did it. Um, but you also, yeah, it's very dark. And he's a kid. And he's a kid's book writer. And the create the writer and director of the series is um, a Japanese British man and he plays the illustrator who's come to stay with him to work on these books who's very funny he's maybe the best character in it but all these characters have such dark time, dark journeys but it's also very very funny um, so it's a very difficult line to to, to uh, straddle especially mm-hmm. as how dark it gets so it's 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 very worthwhile if you are in a comfortable place in your life. 
<laughs> it's it's sad, but it's also funny. Uh, but it's um, Olivia Coleman plays the mother, and it's just as I was thinking about this, like her entire character is like trying to trying to be happy and trying to keep up appearances while very very shallow under the surface. You can see her about to crack up. Um, she's flirting with these builders that are working on her property while this man who's flirting with her, she's desperately trying to ignore in this exact same space. It's a, it's just, it's a great example of that, of that face of hers where it just has so many things going on, but highly recommend that show. It's like two quick seasons. I think it's like seven or eight episodes each. Great. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, And just quickly before we wrap here, I did watch. I was like, I'm gonna bite the bullet and watch. Don't look up. Oh, did you? How how did that go? <sighs> <laughs> it wasn't bad. It's it's like so insulting to its own audience. Oh, really? It, it, it's it's. I mean, not it, like it just is insulting to people. It's so. It's just like so pessimistic and bleak and it's like attitude towards everything and everyone is just like misanthropic and yeah just just like put me off in a it's like you're sort of selling it to me but continue (laughs) yeah i mean it's I mean, that's, that's like, if you're like, oh yeah, I, you know, am a pessimist. And, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, that's exactly like who it's playing to. It's very much like playing to the audience to be like, aren't you smart? Don't you think differently from everybody else? Yeah. And everybody else is an idiot because they're not watching this movie and, and all these <laughs> jokes. I would love for your review to simply be an audio file of you going, ah. Like that would be the best review, which I don't know if it would make me want to see it or not want to see it. But if I heard that review, I'm like, I'm interested. I'm interested to know more. Before, yeah. before I would be, I would be interested to know what you think. Before we wrap up, I do want to tell a quick anecdote that I think you're really going to enjoy. Okay. Somebody came up to me at the member, the Milwaukeeville member screening last time, and they said, mm-hmm. "I, I list, I think I'm paraphrasing. So if you're listening, I, I hope I'm not doing this." injustice but she she said she listens to cinebuds all the time i think she said she liked it (laughs) i think it was in a positive fashion she said it all right (laughs) she goes you know what i didn't notice before and i said what and she goes you're an asshole (laughs) (laughs) you yeah she said it to me and i was like she said the tone of her voice was so pleasant that i in no way took it as an insult (laughs) I was like, really? I said, that's kind of. Oh, I thank you. I said, that's kind of exciting. She and she said again. I'm paraphrasing. You don't come off usually. I don't know you as an asshole, but on this show. (laughs) And then she took a pause and she goes, "You're an asshole." And then I believe she said something about like a kind of a snob. And then I don't again paraphrasing. I think she may have said that you aren't or you are trying to like oppose me in that fashion in some way. And I thought, well, one, and I did tell her this too. I go, wait a minute though, asshole I can deal with, but snob, like I'm constantly talking about blade McGruber. Justin is the snob. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I thought is that he wants to be the snob and I want to be just 
uh, 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 I want to be there. I'm the everyone. The tables have turned. Listen, I thought you. This is your birthday present forever. Because <laughs> I thought I'm the everyman. Just as yeah, I want to be the everyman. But Justin is. Please mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. take that, Christopher. But I was delighted, and then uh, well, I agree. Yeah, I mean, whoever this is, I, yeah. <laughs> thank you, my plant. Now, at some point, yeah, I know. Was that your aunt or something? <laughs> and I said, "Can I see your driver's license?" And it said Barney. <laughs> My coworker said, but he's like a lovely asshole, right? And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you had to be prompted for the lovely part. <laughs> you mainly focused on asshole. Set that up. Love that. But whoever you were, and I pardon me if I, uh, I don't, I don't think I caught her name when we were talking, but she, I know her. I've seen her several times. I was like, God bless you. God bless. That was really fun. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for that gift. <laughs> yeah, it's a gift to Justin Barney. And a reminder to Christopher. Oh, to, be to nicer, always to be an asshole. To be nicer to me. That sells tickets, baby. <laughs> all I need is constant and undying love. That's Thank all. you. That's all. Just, I just need you to only be nice to me right. forever and for always. Right, right, Thank right. You. Sure, 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 sure. Um, uh, this is Ben Cinebuds. Cinebuds is edited by DJ Kenny Perez. Hooray! Um, our, our theme song is from Milwaukee musician and author Brett Newski. Lenusk. We get support from Associated Bank. Yay! We get support from our members from 88.9 Radio Milwaukee and Milwaukee Film. The biggest hooray. Some of, you, some I, of you think I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one more person that I would like to thank. Oh. My parallel mother, Christopher <laughs> Pollard. My parallel mother from a parallel brother. Wait. Oh, wow. That's good. Wait, is that right? Is that accurate? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. All right. Bye.